Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 347 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Brian Cullen of Fluxcopic Limited. Not an easy word to say. About their environment-driven action-adventure game, Mayhem in Single Valley. Fascinating talk. Chatting to a fascinating man that is Brian. Really, really entertaining game. One of the most entertaining action-adventure games I've played in recent years. I don't say that lightly. It's really well put together. Again, a common phrase I use in these introductions, I admit. But the environmental interactions and the sense of progression and problem-solving and really the reward you get when you figure out what you're supposed to do is so great. And you really feel you're breaking the game, even though clearly you're not. You feel you're out, outsmarting the game developer themselves, and that's always a reward in of itself. And that's something we really get into uh, with this game. And uh, yeah, Mayhem in Single Valley, fantastic little title. It's on all sorts of platforms, but I played it on the PC. Yeah, really fun little game. Fantastic soundtrack too. So uh, you're going to hear a lot of that. In fact, you're going to hear that in a second or two, or maybe you just heard the first one. Yes, yeah, sorry, time. In the past, future. Speaking of time, should we listen to me from the past talking to Brian? Let's do that before I get myself really confused. Chris, get us out of this mess. Brian. Hello. <laughs> Who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, my name is Brian Cullen. I recently made a video game called Mayhem in Single Valley. I have a varied background. I only got into actually making video games recently-ish. Um, 
My, uh, I was born in, uh, in Dublin in Ireland, and we moved around a little bit, but uh, I have a, so uh, a, we could, a background we're, in... Go ahead. We're slipping yeah. into the second question, but yes. Okay, sorry, okay. Yes, yes uh, it's okay. It's very common. Most guests do yeah. this. Cause like, they, they, just, they build themselves, I'm going yeah. gonna, to gonna say what I do for a living, and then say yeah. how I did it. So, uh, yeah, how did you make a start? Brian, do tell us. <laughs> in video games okay yeah, well yeah. actually yes i made a student project uh it was a ter- the third year of a postdoc at university of waterloo in um in uh canada in uh, ontario and uh, what i had been doing was actually doing more academic stuff like uh, audio and how audio mixes with 3d uh, visuals uh, and things like that so actual sub- studies where we sit people down and stuff um, and what happened was uh, in my third year as a postdoc i wanted to do something that was uh, for myself and to kind of explore uh, uh, to explore Scratch. I wanted the itch, which was to uh, make a video game, and I wanted to explore how personal narratives could be intertwined with a video game, which is just what indie games are. So I'm not saying it was anything revolutionary, but uh, I wrote a, a paper on it and looked at other indie games at the time. I'd also played indie games for years, but I won't. I, I'm probably veering into that second question again. And um, so then I applied for for uh, uh, funding with the game I had made. Uh, the game got a little bit of attention, uh, not much, uh, but a small amount of attention and some indie reviewers enjoyed it. And I ended up putting it on Steam, which is maybe a good or bad thing. Um, and it was an odd, like kind of 20 minute little game. Um, so after that, I used that to leverage development funding and I developed Mayhem in Single Valley for a year. And it's a whole other version of the beginning of Mayhem in Single Valley, like a pixel art version that looks kind of older and, uh, and a little bit different. Um, and then I spent about another two years trying to get funding to um, turn it into a full production with a small team. And I, I gave up. I tried twice and I had given up. And on the third time, I was uh, accepted for funding. So a small team of, uh, of local talent here got together and made Mayhem in Single Valley. And what, what, a, what an extraordinary experience it is. And it's like relatively recent then that you've actually decided, oh, I, I can make a game. And it just shows that this is no... Just know your disrespect for your good self, sir. Mm-hmm. But the no barrier of entry of making video games, this is something that's come up a lot in this show, certainly mm-hmm. recently, is, is that has been lowered somewhat. Uh, historically, one had yes. to know assembly to make video games. That's 20 or 30 years ago, I grant you, but yes. maybe, maybe 25 years ago, you needed to have some understanding of basically, you know, coding one thing and saying, well, this memory address is doing that now. Mm-hmm. Which means that yeah, one yes. has to do that one over there, and you get just not done anymore unless you're still making games for old platforms like Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which people still do, Brian. Yeah, I noticed uh, there's a lot of those retro, retro. Uh, uh, well, not hacks, but there, yeah, a lot of people are doing that. Like yeah, yeah. a guy who's yeah. making music and he uses all the different cartridges and things too. Yeah, still making yeah. games for the Mega Drive and stuff like that. It's just like, yeah. okay, it's pretty cool actually. Yeah, I respect awesome. it. I just don't have the know-how. <laughs> no, no, it's just yeah. terrifying. But no, fair play to them. Uh, yeah. But the fact that you, you know you create, then you just pursued this endeavor. Then no, this is a this 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 game. People need to play it, and they do. Uh, Mayhem in, in Single Valley is a game people need to play and I remember playing it at PAX East it might have been last year 29 not last year uh, the year before 2019 maybe you see we're all yeah, time confused yeah, yeah. Okay. I forgive all time confusion actually there was a PAX East at 2020 that's right I, I was there stupidly because at the time I like maybe I should I be here probably yeah. not because uh, it was just at the beginning of the of the bad times which are now we're finally slowly starting to exit from but um, yeah, it's uh, it probably wasn't a wise move. But I, it's a game that I remember 
and I put it in my notepad, well, the virtual notepad, so no one writes on paper anymore. But I, did my uh, I do. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, That's, this is, I need to chase this up. When it comes out, because I kept on like, I'll, I'll make sure I'll contact the dev and get them on the show. And uh, time flow, as it does, yes. all of a sudden this code dropped in my, my thing. And I'm like, oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> you know, I didn't ask for it, but it's like, oh, they're, they're Tyler Builder great for that. I went, oh, cool. And then I immediately um, contacted uh, uh, yourself and, uh, you know, reached out and said, do you want to come on the show? So that's well, how that was happened. last week, wasn't it? And we were like, yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. So how to, how to things happen quickly, yeah. <laughs> next question. This is the dreaded third question. It's a nebulous one. But considering your background, you might be quite comfortable answering this, actually. So here we go. As a creator of things, for that is what you are, uh-huh. what are your biggest influences? Now, yes. Um, well, I will mention a little bit of Mayhem and Single Valley here as well. So on the music side for Mayhem and Single Valley, it was um, I'm not going to go into the whole, oh, trying to recreate the 80s retro thing, because I know uh, that's, that's been done a lot, and it's not, it's not, I have no problem with that. But everything that's gone into the game and uh, everything that's in the music and stuff is a layered kind of history of um of of what i've experienced as a gamer like i did play video games from four onwards so it was always like even though i kind of have a little bit of an academic or fine art background um uh everything is kind of a layered from from the past up until now and there's no so so the things i was into was things like uh, you know electronic music like techno and apex twin and you know chris cunningham videos and things like that but um uh, I also obviously going to the arcades as a child was had a massive influence. But weirdly enough, um, when I was younger, it was always it was like the Atari Commodore 64 up. But we never had a PC for years. I only got a PC after I finished my degree in fine art, like in 2003 or something like that. So I had to handwrite my thesis and stuff. So it's not like a massive, um, uh, you know, like I played this game and that game. There was games I played when I was younger, like Toe Jam and Earl, and I mean the Sega. Uh, Genesis or Sega Mega Drive One. I, I'm bilingual now. I know my consoles in different different uh, different decks of the woods. But um, all these, there was all there was definitely all these experiences uh, from my childhood, teen years, and twenties uh, and thirties. Uh, very positive gaming ones, but also definitely uh, I'm, I'm I'm just into the idea of um, video games, the way it mixes all the mediums. So like, if you're interested in writing a little bit, you're interested in sound design, you're interested in music, it's all there. Um, and I was kind of making experimental um, experimental animations. One was based on Coronation Street and stuff in Belfast. And then um, it was all virtual world based. So it was like uh, 40 uh, Genelec speakers, uh, kind of mix of, of strange audio and tearing apart the sounds of Coronation Street and having a wrap around you. And then re- weird creatures would appear on the screen that were projecting Coronation Street and they were like 3D graphics. So it was kind of like a, I, I, I started off uh, doing uh, fine art print drawing and creating collages with different newspaper cuttings and making strange creatures uh, collages and then that kind of kind of seeped into doing um, music and cutting things up and learning about computers I, I started learning about computers when I was studying music and media technology which was kind of again a little bit later um it was like 2003 and four and stuff I think um, and then um, that went into I did a, a electroacoustic composition, which is experimental computer music, and that was a, a that's when I actually all my compositions were actually three D animations mixed with sound design and trying to explore that. And they were very influenced by video game aesthetics and sounds from the uh, from what I played and what I was playing at the time. You know, <laughs> does that make sense, or is that <laughs> that was a bit no, broad and no, a bit no, academic? It's... And I'm not trying to be academic. I'm actually one of those people who went to college and university 
to use the equipment. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, yeah, interesting I, that you had. You're right. I mean, as, as Europeans, we didn't latch on to PCs until much later because of the cost of the bloody things. And yeah, I blew one up actually. Is another reason. My dad brought one home from work, and uh, there was a switch on the back to change the power. And I was trying to get a joystick working for it. It was like a manic miner type game, and uh, uh-huh. I I flicked the switch, and uh, nightmare of nightmares. Uh, it, it was a different power uh, yeah. setting, and I. I think it was just a black switch and it didn't have any warnings or anything on it. Or I just you know, was trying everything because I was so desperate to play the game. And yeah. that probably made me afraid of PCs. And we hadn't even bought one. It's like dad brought home for us to, to, to use and have a look at, you know? And um, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I was yeah, scared. No. I was scared of computers then for many years. Because yeah. <laughs> I blew one up. Well, we've all been there. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's remarkable <laughs> that you basically saw the tools and uh you were trying to choose, do something and felt, well, in order to paint this thing, for want of a better phrase or word, because I know mm-hmm. it's way more to art than dabbing things on the canvas, but just roll mm-hmm. with me on this one. No, no, and I, you, I, don't, yeah, I don't worry about it. Yeah, ahead, and you but... realised that, well, in order to have this brush, whether, whatever this brush may be, I need mm-hmm. to know how, in order to communicate my ideas and my thoughts and my concepts and what I want to create, I need to know how to wield the brush. And mm-hmm. that's what forced you down the road of having to understand the intricacies of of uh, game development and what what's needed. And that's you know, and that's yeah. laudable. And it's you know, it's not something. Well, when you were not, but I kind of always said I would, I was dragging it through the mud. So that was my taster of what to do, what not to do, how complicated these things are, and releasing a game, how stressful it can be to get negative feedback, or you know, you know, did well, I had to uh, what was it, harden my ego or whatever. Or, uh, or maybe the opposite. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had to develop thick skin, is what I'm trying to say. So um, uh, yes, I, I, it, it, to me it was an extension, and because it was interactive, and I actually love video games in my personal life. It's kind of why am I, you know, why am I making these weird 3D animations and all that? Uh, that are fine. There's not no problems with them, but uh, um, I didn't. And also, I didn't like you were saying because of the background of um, a lot of people who who had spe- needed specialist knowledge to make games but then when unity arrived and, and things like that and um, it was a lot easier to access these things and and and, and do a code and stuff like that as well so yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's definitely, so that's definitely on that edge yeah 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 but um <laughs> next question yes i feel like i'm at the end of you who wants to be a millionaire i used to watch <laughs> all the shows like you know on channel four i used to read the teletext every day i think it used to be game central or change even oh, from something yeah, else yeah. The game yeah. central and then it went to it's on metro now i shouldn't be advertising other sites or whatever i'm saying there's metro uh, i think it's the same guys that worked in game central but uh, i have that um so any any um more british uh, references i'm all there we used to you know we had bbc and all that kind of stuff so feel free to drop yeah 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 it's gonna <laughs> happen if you it's want to happen. yeah okay uh, we try to be as international <laughs> as we can but sometimes yeah. you know um so my next question is this um what Video game developer, do you most admire in the industry and why? Ah, well, I mean, I've just been following indie games, so I'm going to probably just change your question a little bit, sorry, but I've been following a lot of the indie games. At the time, I was watching games like the Stanley Parable and all the kind of famous indie games. And those, when I... 
again, I was kind of coming at from at, from an ignorant perspective. So when I when I started making you a banana, I was going, oh, I better look into some indie games because again, I wasn't really a PC gamer; I was a console gamer. And I just played mainstream stuff a lot of the time. Uh, I would grab uh, the odd quirky game like uh, Okanami and all those kind of games, like the one where you're painting and you're a, a wolf and stuff. And I was very so I played all the like a lot of the mainstream games and also loved any oddities that came out too. But um, uh, so th- that to me it was kind of a build up in an area of of those kind of uh, games and, and the knowledge I was attaining by by sometimes I was cheating and just watching YouTube videos of Let's Plays and trying to catch up because as I say I felt like I was really far behind on on my knowledge on, on that kind of thing. So I mean, Jonathan Blow and the Witness that kind of stuff really appeals to me. Actually, the ending he had to the Witness and I won't try and spell it all out here just in case or maybe it doesn't matter at this stage. But that was actually an ending I had a similar ending I had written for for uh, Mayhem and Single Valley. I wrote kind of like a movie script. Uh, so uh, I'd written a script as well. This is an experiment when it came to Canada, a movie script is to see what was involved with it. And then I kind of translated that over. I know games and movies are not the same thing. People are probably shouting <laughs> at the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but it was the idea of uh, just, you know, setting a scene and coming up with ideas and coming up with a story arc, all that stuff was useful. So I was grabbing uh, information from all over the place, as I say. And the idea of going to, like, as I say, a techno concert, and it's like a big engine that's in front of you, and it's like the music is louder and bigger than you and all this kind of stuff. And those kind of uh, thoughts are always in my head. I'm like, how do I create something that's uh, full of life and noise and um, and and surprises and um, exploration? So that, that's the, that, that's my thinking more so than I'm not... I thought I listened to lots of things, and I've been fans of things, as I say, the Pixies and, and music and stuff, but it's, it's weird. I don't... Um, uh, I, I, I don't follow one person religiously and then try and make uh, my work like theirs or anything like that, which is not what you were implying, but that's, I, I just try and grab stuff from everywhere if I can. Okay. That's, I like that. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, you know, you said you, you latched yeah. on to certain indie games, like there's Gone Home, which is now very commonly yes. referenced in this Danny Parable, commonly referenced because it basically yeah. laughed at the medium, but not in a mocking way. Yes. It just basically said, Look, this is ridiculous. We all accept these conceits. Yes. And yet we just let's just revel in it for a bit, shall we? It's like, you know, you could take the left corridor. Where are you going? No, I said left. Oh, right. Yeah, I, love, I did oh. love that. Yeah, I just thought that was, yeah, it was fantastic, you know. And, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, extraordinary. And it also breaks a lot of that, exploits the fact that you're playing a video game and there's some wonderful games out there. The, and I realized with actually Mayhem Single Valley, the Fort Wall stuff, like as I was kind of making it to again, there was a certain amount of me going, oh my God, there's so many games that break the Fort Wall. So I tried yeah. to, I yeah. tried not to, I think people think I was trying to be clever when I was breaking the Fort Wall in this game, but actually it wasn't. I was trying to do a twist on it. I was trying to do something yeah. about uh, life and death in video games more so than, um, uh, more so than the twist being important. It was, it was how the characters related to the twist, if that makes sense. Like uh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the body is like aware that they're an NPC, so they're they're saying I don't I, I don't want to be um, trapped in a rat's maze, so I'm going to end it all. I won't go into too much details. And then uh, Jack, <laughs> Jack at the end has to kind of go well. It's kind of an atheistic perspective, um, and it doesn't have to be. You know, it, it, there was a weird con- not a conflict there, but there's a weird thing where there's devs that created the game world, and that's like obviously like a god type perspective. You know, uh, situation there where you know the characters are all dependent on the creators with any you know creative medium. But then the main character himself has to kind of go, well, what's my place in all this? It was meant to be a bit like The Matrix, like the first one, where actually the ending is um, a little bit abrupt and it's a little bit like um, shrugging your shoulders kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, it's 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 also meant to be 
what next uh, or was meant to be what next. <laughs> I'm not sure the game's popular for another chapter, but the idea was that from there, what happens, you know, and where where do we go, you know, with this? Uh, it's uh, always concept. nice. It's always nice yeah. to do it because everyone else can do their, you know, their, their their epilogue. It's fine, although sadly, <laughs> some authors can't let go, and they just think, no, let's let's keep going. Yeah. Like, please stop. Um, we'll, yeah, no, I didn't we'll want to do that Yeah, I didn't want to do the Metal Gear Solid type thing. I used to walk no. around and make cups of tea and like have a snack and stuff and come back and they're still talking. You know, yeah. actually with the with the script writing thing, I kept going. Uh, I pruned everything down every time. Every time it was a conversation, I brought it down to like five or six lines. And I don't know if that hindered uh, this how the story unfolds. If people thought it was a little bit too, things might pass them by very quickly uh, because it's just one sentence. And then to me, there might be meaning in that sentence. But like you're saying, the 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 game that's played between game development and the player is, can I get my ideas across? And I'm not sure sometimes whether that works or not in Mayhem Single Valley, but uh, I think if you try and think about everything that's said and done in it, you will get something from it for sure. Yeah. So, that's coming from me. I'm totally biased. <laughs> <laughs> Last question of, of the first half. Here we yeah. go. It's this. What are you playing right now? It, it, that's the really sad and depressing thing. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to end it on the sad, but I, I honestly got a PlayStation Four a long time ago uh, as right. a gift, and I had not, I had not completed Uncharted on that, which is the game I got with. Because we've, we've, we've three kids now. We just had another kid oh, like, no, uh, no, yeah. four, four months ago, and um, uh, I've been watching and following. As I said, I still read from Game Central all the way up until I think it's on Metro now. Uh, I'm still following, and I'm, you know, watching IGN and reading articles and. Uh, and I, I've, I've watched my oh I have a good answer for this sorry uh, it wasn't okay. prepared oh I got the little I got the little mini consoles and actually the kids were playing games I played when I was younger too so I just like even if it's Sonic the Hedgehog or the original Mario's and stuff and they, they've been they've been they've been enjoying them now I'm not force feeding it to them you know they, they one of them got a switch at Christmas which was you know a big negotiation and stuff but he's playing Breath of the Wild so I'm jealous of my kids base right now he's playing Breath of the Wild and played it in bed and he's he's just turned eight and uh, I was catching snippets of it going oh god but maybe during the making of my game I wanted to avoid like masterpieces like Breath of the Wild you know so I don't have panic attacks um so yes i i, I definitely been watching i've actually really been watching my kids i'm playing minecraft i always think minecraft's a big mystery even to me still and i've been watching them play it for like three years now so like i, I kind of get this game and i'm still not sure what it's meant to be exactly um so uh that's that's what i've been playing and not, i've been playing nothing and my kids have been playing games and i've been watching them and trying to learn <laughs> from that a little bit <laughs> yeah i i love the mini consoles for a variety of reasons i love the mm. fact that you get the original controllers form but built with modern yeah sort of like systems rather than you know, you're picking something up that's likely to fall to bits because it wasn't yeah. designed to last 30 years. It's designed to last three, not 30. Well, we had a rabbit uh, attack one of our controllers too. It chewed through the wires like the school pet rabbit that came here. So I almost like I just there's forces trying to stop me from playing video games all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> even rabbits. Yeah, even, well, especially rabbits, considering. Especially, yes, yeah, considering, yeah, absolutely. Considering. Maybe that's where all is inspired from. But, um, probably. Yeah, they did play like Zombies Ate My Neighbor. They were they were going we were kind of going through stuff and they weren't maybe given as much time as we did back in the day. And you know, you can't maybe save as easy. Well, you can't actually save it the new ones. But um, yeah, yeah there's there, there was definitely me re, me revisiting some some old games too and, and and letting them see that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm I, I'm a big fan of we you know, Ken and Rince doesn't recognise retro, we just recognise games. Mm. A game could be made last week or yep. indeed 40 years ago. That's nice. Still, still, That's nice because there's a throwaway game. culture sometimes, isn't there? Like if it's yeah, new, exactly. it's great. And if it's not, it's, it's not. A, 
It's a bit odd. I mean, in music, it doesn't really happen that much either. You know, Led Zeppelin three is still Led Zeppelin three. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. still it, it, people don't go, oh, that's a vinyl. Like, what? No, yeah. it's still you know, it's there. Um, so it doesn't really work. But um, yes. it's a medium, and it should be treated as such. That's how we view it. So you know, I'm I'm streaming Steel Battalion at the moment, which is a ridiculous game with a ridiculous controller. Uh, but yeah. uh, look it up; it's amazing. It's got this—it's just ridiculous. But is that anyway, like got the helicopter cockpit kind of like controls. Is it's that close. Kind of yeah, it's basically got two joysticks. One's a steering uh, stick. One's. I a, think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's got three pedals, <laughs> three pedals, yeah. and the whole console of the controller lights up when you turn the game on. Oh, it's it's astonishing. <laughs> it's yeah. just amazing, but it's ridiculous. And uh, you know, and uh, apparently Capcom made it as a dare, going, "Let's see how ridiculous we can push this." See if anyone's uh, going to buy this, and turns out they did. Uh, you're playing this day, so that's, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> it's, it's 20 years old, so it's well, money well spent. If it's money uh, very well spent. <laughs> so let's move on to the second half of the show where we shall delve deep into mayhem in Single Valley. question isn't a question it's a request please tell us in your own words what do you believe is mayhem in single valley good luck Uh, yeah i hate when people ask me straight questions that should have a really clear quick clean answer um it's it really is it's a it's a a a layering of lots of different games i've played in the past and uh, I'm trying. I was trying to make a, a game that was full of Easter eggs and surprises that had like a philosophical bent to them. That kind of explored explored the the meaning of playing a video game and um, running a character through a world and how you relate to them uh, through the actions and and the and the gameplay itself. And then um, also just a little bit of uh, 
it's like a homage to some of the good silly fun I had back in the day. So something like, as I say, in Toe Gem and Earl, I think there was like a Hallelulu party uh, Easter egg in it. And then um, uh, I, I, I wanted to have lots of Easter eggs and fun little things to discover. But also there was a, a thing where um, I wanted to combine the cheeriness of Zelda and stuff with, with more realistic issues. Um, uh, Life and Dead is in there um, and also family issues. And um, uh, yeah, basically I'm just trying to recreate the strangeness of life in a video game, even though the game looks uh, very, um, what would you call it, commercial and cheery on the outside. Uh, I think there's a few hidden uh, a few hidden layers in there that people hopefully pick up on. <laughs> Oh yeah, so, yeah. Okay. This whole um, it opens up with something. So we say parental relationships. It it, it opens up yeah. with, and uh, yeah. that's that's quite. It's quite hard hitting, and it did make me a bit of a lump in the old throat. Going, huh? Yeah. yeah. And depends yeah. what ending you got. There wasn't. We didn't. We didn't get to maybe explore as many endings as we wanted to. But the idea was that uh, the more you explored the game, um, there was some key things that you could do uh, through curiosity that would benefit the ending as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I just, I, we don't delve into yeah. story too much on this. No, I won't. Yeah, no, I won't give it away. No, I'll keep it all no. abstract. It's like not to ruin, not to ruin <laughs> the game. We have to have to focus on the abstract. Which I don't want to damage sales on this. <laughs> no, indeed. Yeah. So, here's the first design question then. Well done in trying to encapsulate uh, mayhem in Single Valley in, in several sentences. Um, I, I don't know how you did that. So, Jack, who is the main protagonist mm-hmm. of Mayhem in Single Valley, yes. is largely powerless. Um, yeah, he was meant to be more powerless, yes. But yeah, anyway, he's, go ahead, he's, yes. he's just a regular person. He, he can jump. Mm. I'll give you that. He can jump. Yeah. He can throw things. Okay. But he doesn't yes. have a cape. He doesn't have you know laser beams coming out of his eyes. He doesn't got magical spells. He no, does. He, he can't fly at one point. I think very, yeah. very early in the game. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he also got a nice hoodie though. Liking the hoodie. Yeah. But other than that, he's just you know a fella who's just trying to leave home to go to university. What well, well, you know? Come on, he's got accepted. He's got his plane yeah. ticket. He's off. He's, he's flying. He's flying the nest, so to speak. Yeah. Trying Absolutely. to. Sadly, yes. uh, events uh, conspire against him to do said flying, but eventually he will. Yeah. I just want to ask his powerlessness, was that the central tenet of the game from the outset? Were you designing it in such a way that mm. the main protagonist, though you control them, they are largely powerless? Why was that? Well, you know, is, yeah. basically, is this that is that's the is that the central tenet of the game? There, there is there is a team of powerless, absolutely, and as I say, I won't do any spoilery stuff. But there is a there is a team of not been able to escape certain things, um, and things conspiring against. You. Like um, there was a, a Bill Hicks uh, sketch where he talks about like leaving his house to get pizza and he's getting attacked by Rottweilers because you know if you read the news today, the world is a horrible place. It's pretty old, but. Uh, uh, quote whatever but that was kind of for single valley itself that was the the theme of the town was uh, actually anything that will kill, catch you and kill you will you know and that's a very video game thing too but i was going to try and exaggerate it in single valley you know he, i think he goes up to the tv area and says like uh all oh, the same old news stories about you know earthquakes and tornadoes and you know you know uh, imminent disasters and stuff so there's definitely a bit of a critique of the way we see the world through the media and, and the news and um, and a certain amount of power and stare. The other, the other thing was just a reaction to 
almost maybe just movies and different things too, like, uh, you know, the Marvel movies right now where everything's just somebody's flying to punch each other through a building. You don't really know what the rules are to how much strength they have to just kind of keep beating each other up for ages and you're going, why is any of this significant if they're not vulnerable? Um, there was a little bit of that there too. I actually wanted to, even the slingshot was a slight compromise in the end where uh, he was really going to just uh, throw uh, stuff. And um, the idea is that things didn't feel scary or dangerous if, if you're if you're not vulnerable. And weirdly enough, it doesn't sound like the type of game where this would be a, a factor. But I actually want to be kind of realistic in terms of the gameplay for the player themselves. That if you're going to figure something out, you're going to have to move something. You're going to use gravity or you're going to you know, wedge something or you're going to drag something but it's uh, uh it was all very i wanted to be i would actually with the team we'd always have our back and forth about this and i'd be always fighting for realism weirdly enough even though i knew the game was totally off the off the charts in terms of story and stuff uh, and realism and uh, it was quite silly and things but uh that's that's that was my idea there that actually i wanted to play something a bit more like resident evil one say where you feel vulnerable and you're running around and actually in that you have a gun uh, I, I wanted to do a zombie game without a gun and <laughs> killing which is Again, maybe a little bit like Undertale that way uh, in terms of just the idea. But um, I, yeah, we took the hard road slightly for that. All right, uh, making a zombie game without killing. Even the stun, I won't get too much of the stunning as well, was another uh, slight compromise too. But uh, we had yeah. to kind of yeah. up the ante a little bit. But you're right, there is a theme of that in the story and in the surroundings and the, and the, and, the, and the world. Yeah, it's a little bit nihilistic maybe. <laughs> yeah, and also the, the, some, you discover something that, counters the effects of the thing that's causing the chaos but i'm not going to say what that is because it's an awesome oh, yeah, it's, discovery can, can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great but yes Sorry. you did hit on something that's in, no you know you hit you hit on something there uh, that i haven't uh, like as i say uh my the the, the kind of the, the generic team as well there was often um uh the idea of helping people out in life and what what it means to help people out and having a you know a, a finite life and and where, where it goes from there and your actions within that finite life. Do uh, I'm probably even way too general now, but I'm trying to avoid specific too. But there is that team running throughout as well. Um, uh, and the idea, yeah, can I even? I don't know if I'll mention. That. I was going to say there is kind of a, a team of clones in the game very early on, so I'm not giving away the yes, things happening. I was going to um, mean. It, I love the discovery of the clones, yeah. but. It's yeah. that you find these closings for yourself that they're kind of broken mm. and it's quite and the opening bit with you mm. having this weird dream and with your flying next to a plane and yes, it's, it's that's quite... the story thing. That's the um, the idea of that was actually a weird, very Freudian uh, kind of storytelling. So he's literally going to go to art college that day. So what dream yeah. does he have? Yeah. Well, he's rescuing himself from a burning plane, which is almost what you'd say in English, as in, oh, I'm trying to you know get my life out of the. Uh, uh, the, the hole it's stuck in or whatever so there's there's that kind of stuff i don't know how well it translates but that, that i did purposely kind of say this is what he's doing here he's rescuing himself from a burning plane this is the beginning of the game uh, so hopefully that's not a problem but uh he th that to me that's that's the actual that's how i wanted to tell the story you know what i, mean? I want to tell the truth yes yeah, yeah. that's what you're doing someone might think it was just a, a weak opening action opening and it's just a dream but there's a meaning to the dream yeah. yeah, yes, there's most of the time the dreams have no meaning at all. It's just <laughs> yes. garbage. Um, but, um, so the experience of playing the game, which is mayhem in Single Valley, mm -hmm. is there's a lot of puzzle solving aspects mm -hmm. more than I initially thought there would be. It makes sense that there would be. But mm -hmm. how have you found designing these puzzle solving elements alongside the dexterity component? And what I mean by that is there are times when in order to solve a puzzle, 
you need to be quite dexterous and competent with platforming and jumping and timing and stuff. Yes. How have you found balancing those two things? Yeah, we originally, uh, we even originally had a orthographic perspective on the camera. So it was all flat and more flat, even though we had 3D shadows and it was kind of a cool visual technique, but we were artificially stretching the camera and it was creating these headaches. There's still probably some headaches in there for people. We did try and do things like we shifted all jumping to be either directly left, right, or uh, back and forth from the character. So it's almost like a grid. It's almost on a grid, even though it's not a grid. But we did use wang tiles and stuff to design the levels, and then we kind of made it all 3D and stuff. Uh, so there's a mishmash of the 2D approach and the 3D. Um, we, we literally just in patch, I think, seven or eight, changed the throw, like the throw mechanic altogether so that people can see a little uh, kind of golf type line coming from the character uh, uh, and, and get space relations. The weird thing was because I designed the levels, I knew the space relations uh, so much. So we added drop shadows to little clones of balloons and stuff recently. So I think we, we, we it's like one of those things where it's again like the hard road a little bit we knew that there's limitations perception there's limitations if you're looking at a world through screen versus reality um, mm-hmm. and I, I i think we we try to tackle those as best we could now each character sometimes people get frustrated because a character might or an npc might attack them but everyone definitely has a, a way out you know you know you can kind of treat them in a certain way and you can get by them whether it's using food or whether it's a certain dodge or letting them approach you in a certain way and then you get out of there and they're gone or whatever so we didn't we were aware of that uh, element of it uh, but definitely for for jumping and spatial relations also every uh, i didn't we didn't quite get this right everywhere but there was um my 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 kind of mantra was to have like a and this is it just it's just signposting basically like if you're in a, an area everything's kind of boring looking except for that one chair with an object sitting on it or there's a light flickering above a thing so that's all that might be game game design 101 but yes we tried to do that as well and uh for the puzzles does that does that make sense yeah it does <laughs> yeah, i yeah, think yeah. you realize it's a difficult that... part of it though for sure and it and is because works. you're yeah. what, what is yeah. this game is it a puzzle solving game is it yeah. a platforming game um, what is it and it's like and my reaction to that is both. Oh, yeah. Weirdly okay. enough, it's a sandbox. Uh, the 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 there is actually there's goal oriented action planning going on yes. with the AI. So we were we were seeing it like a sandbox. So we, we even designed a game where we were kind of going, oh god, we can make twenty more levels with this whole one system. So you might meet characters later on that are almost like Metal Gear Solid kind of thing. So if you troll something, they'll go and look at it. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter what yeah. that thing is. You know, uh, yeah. if you roll into a, an old tree, it might fall over. But if you throw an acorn at that tree, it might fall over. Or if something attacks that you and misses and hits the tree, it'll fall over. So we kept things so broad. It was almost like. Um, I had a dream in my brain about this. Like, this is, you know, when you have flights of fancy and all this kind of was like, oh, yeah, like in the future, this could be like the Grand Theft Auto of crazy indie games. You know what I mean? Like weird, a weird ta- a weird city that you can go around and find all kinds of crazy things, you know, and Easter eggs, and, but it would be a, a bigger version, you know. Uh, but we have, we, we kind of put this, this stuff in place for that. Even like if you, you can save, you get all saves, which again, some people, we had to fix them up a little bit in our recent patches. But uh, if you... Uh, save the game at any point like we kind of did stupid things game design wise like you can save the game at any point and then every chair that you pulled every acorn that you threw is going to be floating downstream or whatever it's all there it was kind of like persistence of of the world and um, we were thinking yes. ahead for that but we might not we might not get to use it again but yeah that that they get me a lot of holes the, the saving thanks for that but um <laughs> you've already sort of hinted at this but i want to expand on it more there's a reliance on the player respecting the environment 
that they find themselves in mayhem in Single Valley, um, as well as the creatures that inhabit that environment. What have you done during the design process to inform the player that what they can and can't react with and what kind of things they should do? What how have you found informing them player outside the tutorial just the experience mm. of playing through what have you done well how have you found that to make sure that the player has some some chance of understanding <laughs> what they can and can't do um i mean i'll talk about one puzzle but i won't go into specifics yeah. again but we did one where you kind of arrive in an area and then literally there's paths that go from the area to other sections it's kind of an early enough part of the game so Environmentally, sometimes it's just paths or the habit of every level having an entrance and exit, even though you can backtrack if you want through certain levels or certain cut-off points story-wise. But, uh, um, so as simple as that, but also we did now, we did some blunt uh, blunt things too, and I was always on the fence about using them or not, which were, where there's an interact shine that flashes every once in a while, just to give people that extra hint, or if it's a certain type of collectible, it might have a certain um, uh, shine, uh, particles dancing around. But to me, it's just like, kept the game 16 by 9 and there was a thing about not that that matters as much but there was a thing about uh, 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 composing levels so to me as I say anything important will will stand out from the general grass trees shrubs uh, you know uh, stones and rocks um, and then uh, um, the, the other thing is uh, I mean the eyes of the creatures glow so they're in the dark you'll spot them um, and they'll also give you little warnings in terms of their animation like if you get too close to a certain creature it might you know give you a little it might stand up and let you know that it's there and then you have to kind of you know walk away and it'll go back down and you kind of it was learned by trial and error for in an old school way I think for some of the game I'm not I can't be very objective about this question <laughs> because as I say you know we, we built on things and played and got feedback and changed things and um, I was pretty fluid like that too but originally it was going to be even your you didn't even have an inventory that's why Jack holds everything in his hand it was almost me that's the inventory so I was a bit I think I came into it a bit naive and crazy in some ways and in terms of I kind of wanted no UI and I wanted everything to be in the world and that makes sense and I could you know try that challenge again another time but uh, we definitely had to kind of um, pull some of that back a little bit in terms to make the gameplay uh, more enjoyable and frustrating for people you know um, yeah, you can. Some people yeah. <laughs> successfully have done that, but you're right. Yes. I think um, there are, and I think the idea of actually making things flash or have Jack say something like, you know, oh I yes, for sure, you can interact yeah. with lots of things. Yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah, he does say things. things. It's point and click, like. Yeah, he comments on things like, "Oh, that that could push that over, or the wind could push that over." Yes, yeah. and that's a, that was it. Like, yes. really? What's what's the what, why would anyone say? <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yes. yeah yeah his internal monologue that. is is, is yeah. a hint uh, and again we wouldn't have had that hint originally and then we realized oh you know what this isn't so obvious i think some people also were a little bit intimidated by that aspect of the game and i and i was kind of in my head i'm going oh no no it's a sandbox you can go you know use use whatever's around you and you know you can grab and throw and do whatever and it's not i'm not saying it's it's like go Similar or something where I don't know everything, everything just blows up and does certain things. We have to be kind of careful. It was very hard not to put you know to to put people in situations where they'll just break the game. Like originally, all key items you could pick up and throw off a cliff, and if you did that, it was like game over. What can you do? So we had to compromise again. Key items became a uh, key items became something. And this is, I say, maybe coming from my ignorance towards the design, but I also think it gave it a kind of unique flavor in terms of I'm approaching things and saying, well, no, I want to learn for myself why this is a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that the whole concept of you destroying a key a key thing, 
That's yeah. that's that's twenty years old when they used to call it dead man walking. It's yeah. quite a dark thing to say, but basically yeah. you're playing yeah. a game for a good thirty, forty minutes, sometimes longer, really yeah. not realising that you failed to do something mm-hmm. an hour ago and that you know, you got to a point where I'm stuck, I can't do a thing, and I can't go back to where I was because I've just oh oh god, I've had to do all this all over again now because I forgot to do one thing. And it's you know, yeah. it's now regarding well, we made it very automatic too. Like if you if you uh, pick up a teddy bear and a kid needs a teddy bear and you go up yeah. to them, the dialogue will continue on. So a lot of it's very much um uh, as I say, the, the point and click element was there. Um uh, and I was uh, you know, I was looking at, at, at a lot of those kind of games too, but it was uh uh you're using Jack to explore the world, and he is, yes, he's giving that verbal and internal or external feedback on things. And some of it is trivial, you know, it might be a cup of coffee in a microwave, or it might be uh, this and that. And that's kind of, that's always for story reasons and give to, you know, to give people uh, uh, background stories and things. Um, but for sure, yeah, for, yes, for sure, there's uh, that, there was that fear. We did have ways of doing, like, we dropped a key out and we could just reset the game. And we have a, we, we have a lot of systems in place, like loads of systems in place, actually, in the game for doing things. And we, we kind of were a little bit fluid about that. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we we, we just we, we reshaped things as we went along because, um, as I say, I was writing it like a, a, a movie script in a way. I had this story and I had a concept in my head for sure about how the game was going to play. But it was almost going to be a survival game at one point where single value was going to be like, yeah, you light your fire and you stay warm at night and you go to sleep. And, you know, it was... Uh, a, a bigger in scope that way at one point, uh, but w- was unrealistic in terms of like the small team. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, if you want to do that, that's, that, there's loads of games like that called Don't Start yeah. and things like that, and that's yeah, fine. That's for sure. And they, and yeah. you know, and um, yeah. <laughs> so, next question, last question. Here we go. Perfect. Okay. Collectibles are dotted all over. <laughs> Mayhem in yes. Single Valley. They're everywhere. There's, mm-hmm. there's baseball yeah. cards and Tamagotchis and all sorts of things. I did like yes. it when I found a blue Tamagotchi. I was very happy about that. Yeah. Um, That's good. <laughs> and it also, not only that, not only is it just thing, you can also find tracks for the original um, soundtrack. Because you find mm-hmm. these little tapes and you find the tape and then you slam it into your Walkman. And because uh, this game is set in many years ago and you have audio tapes <laughs> into a music play device which what people used to do back in the day and then they get a new track for that particular area it's fantastic um how much fun have you found designing these these little collectibles and why do they exist um well actually collectibles themselves almost became a little gameplay thing too so if you really want to get them sometimes we put them in areas where you need to do something clever or you need to at least face some kind of foe or whatever to to, to survive to get them. Um, but the, the music track idea was, weird enough, uh, it was a time element too because um, I, I I designed the, 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 most of the music in the game and there was a... I know that most games use the traditional thing of where, you know, they overlap and they dynamically change. And I was thinking about that quite a lot and I was thinking about listening to Commodore 64 uh, loading screens when I was younger on, you know, you have those big old wooden or fake wooden, full wooden TVs and they'd be booming. And I absolutely loved the, the music. So um, there was this thing I was going, oh, that music wasn't interactive and didn't change, you know, just kind of played over the game and didn't care. And if it was a good tune, it's a good tune. And I was thinking time-wise that, that suited me down to the ground too, but also 
I kind of uh, felt like I don't want to just do the thing that I'm meant to be doing. I want to just do what I feel I should be doing. And uh, what you were not a banana, the, the, the a game, my first like, a student game, the soundtrack was really important to me. Um, and uh, my background in music and stuff too, I, I really, uh, I really cared to try and make something that kind of combined like a, uh, John and Dunn's music or Rob Hubbard's music uh, together. And with this one, I went, you know what, I'm just going to make a kick-ass soundtrack and hopefully, and I, I, I don't know if it is, but for me, I want to do the best one I can do. And uh, for me, it was like, well, yeah, you can pick it up as a tape and you can listen to it and you can play a track if you want later. It was it's a kind of very a blunt way to make a soundtrack and, and definitely against the grain of what people should be doing. But it helped time-wise too. And also, I just thought if the music's uh, good enough, uh, it will... And I, I did actually design the music uh, in relation to certain levels too, for sure. Like there was obviously uh, a more romantic kind of 1950s uh, type crooner music in the uh, school and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I kind of went off on a tangent there. So collectibles, they're just, they, they may be a bit of a kick, I'll, I'll be honest, but it was also to 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 explore the world more and it, you might discover or see something uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise. And, and also just to reward people for exploring and maybe taking a wrong turn or going to a room with, with virtually nodding in it, you'll always find something to reward you. And then there was a, a nostalgia factor too. We were kind of making a compilation of things from the 80s and 90s, like gar- garbage pail kids and things, and then maybe making our own slant and twist on those. Yeah, I, I really, I just, the soundtrack's phenomenal, so well done. But um, oh, thanks. yeah, it's <laughs> definitely brought back with uh, some significant tunes from the c64 days i mean i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't like i didn't own one as a kid i had a friend yeah. who owned one a lot a couple of friends yeah. who owned them i was that means you enjoyed it more you know when you don't own something yeah. it's like yeah yeah you really really yeah. enjoy it I, I, and i had a spectrum and then i went to i defected to the amstrad but uh yes. i still enjoyed the uh the sid chip um and was it a green now. screen amstrad or did you have full no I, I i was i was middle class enough to have a color screen so i had to say so <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. You're probably still playing that one too. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, the, yeah. But people always say, oh, "I had a green light." I, I, had a, I always get that pause. Like, no one had a color screen. It's a, yeah, I did. It was phenomenal. It's anyway, okay. at least you had it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, it's the first yeah. time I live, live on my show I had a color monitor for yeah, Amstrad. Color monitor Amstrad. Like, no one's like, no, I did. How could you not? My reaction to it is when people say that. Well, of course I had a colour screen. Are you insane? Yeah. Like, yeah. no, no one had that. Like, well, I did. It I think amazing. we played Barbarian on it, and I remember with the colour one, you could see yeah. red blood, and we're like, wow, that's so it, much cooler. <laughs> it was amazing. It was it was very pretty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, not for the person to have your head chopped off. But anyway. For sure. Mayhem in Single Valley, which is developed by uh, Fluxscopic Limited. It's a yes. great name. Where's it I'm, I'm so I, I I always get surprised by people's um by people's reactions to things because I was like uh, I had a, I had about twenty or thirty names picked out I never I'm not business minded I'm an art college student at art <laughs> um, so for me to I had to as I say remember I, I was talking about applying for funding part of that is you have to incorporate as a business so I was you know signing forms and running around like a headless chicken trying to figure out legalities and things and um, I had to do a a nuance report I think for names. Right. And uh, I had Brittle Tree then, and actually I had a little logo made. I was like, again, doing things backwards and silly, like, a, a, you know, making a, a vector art, you know, Brittle Tree, and it was all friendly and cool. And in Canada, the, it, when you get rainstorms, the trees, you know, become brittle and all made sense to me. And then um, it was rejected because there's a some, you know, corporate corp company in America called Brittle Tree Trading Company or something. So I went, oh, right. 
And then every name, every name we thought was clever was already taken. It was like really, really difficult. And then I went, okay, so they're stereoscopic, you know, and you got like different scopics, you know, microscopic and all. And I said, well, you know, there's a flux of art movement and there's flux in general, you know. So the actual logo is kind of a melting target and then the word flux and scopic. So just like seeing, you know, uh, and the shifting eye and the shifting uh, eye perception, you know, mixed with a melty target kind of logo. And that was, that's, that's where I came from. Without it desperation. Works. It works. <laughs> It works. Could be a medical company too is the only problem. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mad, uh, Mayhem in, in Single Valley is also it's published by Tiny Build um, and yes. it's out now on now platforms. I know it's on Windows, mm-hmm. Windows uh, Microsoft. You've got Windows. Steam, good it's old on, games. Yeah, it's, it's it on Mac? It doesn't Rumble. work on yeah. You know what? We, 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 we were actually literally working on that right now. Um, right. But, um, we had to do just a few compromises so we're just... Uh, I don't mean in terms of gameplay, we're just checking out some art stuff just to kind of make it run a little more smoothly. That's um, fair. That's fair. So we're we're looking at that one. Um but for but sure. It is on it is on Windows PC, that is for sure. Yes, yes. Oh, and it'll okay. yeah, it'll be out it'll be out on um uh well it's it's out, it's been out a while actually since the twentieth of last month. Mm, but um yeah. and it's the best time to play it. We've got lots of patches in there and gameplay feedback that we've incorporated into the game, so we feel yeah. like it's a real it's a solid build and it should be, you know, a lot of fun. Well I, <laughs> I will be streaming it soon. Um, all right so yes yes i'll be, I'll be uh because this is a game i'm too scared to watch i'm always too scared to watch in case somebody <laughs> hits some bug i've never seen before I'm like oh my god what really we did but how, how did it a million times and that never happened but anyway yeah that's, well, that's if you, anything, you've got direct contact line with me if you I, anything, do. I do i'll, I do. I'll, I I'll actually take Brian, what have you done to me you know it's like <laughs> but uh no i've got an cool. xbox one controller um plugged in yes it plays well with that actually yes yeah yeah that's that's really yeah. i mean i i do like playing games on my pc with a controller uh, but unless it's an FPS, when it's Doom or something like that, I always yeah, have yeah. mouse and keyboard. So yeah. you can uh, play this on mouse and keyboard, or you know, and, and we've used rewired, so you can use like the uh, PlayStation Four controller, the Xbox yeah, yeah. controller, and all that. So we, we we definitely tried to you know up the game. If you play you were not a banana, that's all keyboard. And it's it's <laughs> clunky, but it's a weird enough game. You might you might enjoy it. Yeah, it's fine. So Brian, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Yes, and. So- um, you're more than welcome to come back on the show. As I say, it's really Ooh, you're nice it for someone to take an interest. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to say it again? Yeah, that's, I'm probably from shock. That's that'd be great. <laughs> I know I said thank you so much. I'll take you up on that. I, I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, honestly, whatever next thing you've got sort of bumbling out in your head and it spits itself mm-hmm. out, you're more than welcome to come back on the show to chat about it. But until then, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thanks so much. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>